Father, we thank you this morning as we come together again to hear your word. And we pray that your Holy Spirit may help us understand it and apply it to our lives. We pray that, Lord, you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish through your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Children, you are released. Jesus is still in the upper room. This is his last day because he's going to be arrested that night. He's still in the upper room with the disciples. And if you have been following, then you will realize that there is one thing that he has been emphasizing to the disciples. And it has to do with love. In fact, John, if you look at chapter 13, if you look at chapter 13, One of the statements there says, after he has loved his own, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And then we see in the same chapter where he washes his disciples' feet. He's still demonstrating this love. And he tells them that they also need to wash one another's feet. And then in the same chapter, we see Judas, the one who will betray him. Here Jesus is emphasizing love, and then we see one who does not love. So as he demonstrates his love to the disciples, we are also shown what it means not to love from Judas. And then Judas walks out, and it is night. He walks out from the presence of Jesus. He walks out from the fellowship with others. Because Satan has entered him and wants to use him to betray Jesus. He has fallen into this temptation. And by the way, One thing that will make Christians or that makes Christians not to want to fellowship with other believers, in most cases, it is usually a sinful behavior. It is usually a sinful behavior that makes us 
avoid fellowshipping with one another. Because when you fellowship with others, when you come together to want to worship the Lord, you will be uncomfortable. If you are continuing with a sinful behavior and you are a Christian, if you feel comfortable as a Christian among other believers, Chances are, you may not be a Christian. If you feel comfortable continuing in sin, there is a problem in your relationship. But sin is one of the things that takes us away from the fellowship. It makes us isolate ourselves. That's why we have so many Christians today who call themselves Christians, yet they are not part of any fellowship. They claim that they believe in God, that they worship God, but they are not ready to listen to the same God because God continues to encourage believers to be together, to gather together. So in this chapter we see all that happening as Jesus seeks to strengthen the disciples encouraging them to love one another and as Judas separate himself from the disciples the disciples face this challenge that we are going to see in verse 31 To verse 38. When he was gone, Judas, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man will be glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself. And will glorify him at once. So he's talking about the death on the cross. And we saw that, that Jesus died to glorify the Father. Verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. He's referring again to the death that is going to die. Why can, do we say he's referring to the death that is going to die? We will see that. We will see that from the response. Now look at verse 34. A new command I give you. A new command. I give you, which means there is an old one. 
love one another. That's the command. What's the old one? What's the old command? Huh? No. That is an old one, but love the Lord with all your heart, your strength and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is a new command because it had not been given. It is a new command because it's focusing on believers. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself does not only apply to believers. It applies to everyone. Your neighbor is the one who is in need. Whether they are a Christian or not. That's your neighbor. This one is focusing on believers. That's why it's new. And you will realize that not many of us obey this command. You will actually realize that it's easier for Christians to love those who are not Christians than it is to love their fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. It's not even a choice that we make. It should be our lifestyle. Jesus is teaching us here that we are to love one another as he has loved us. And he continues to say, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you know why the church has lost its, its influence in our society today? One of the reasons the church has lost its influence in our society today is because Christians don't love one another. By this, all men will know that you are truly my disciples when you love one another. If Jesus, if what he is saying here is true, then there is something wrong with us. Because our love for one another according to this scripture, is supposed to testify, to witness, to show people Christ. 
that if someone who does not know the Lord came here or saw Christians somewhere, they will realize this must be followers of Jesus just because of how they treat one another. And that's missing today. We are so quick to criticize one another. Today, we are tempted to align ourselves with those who believe like us. I am a sea of all. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> we identify with our theological positions. Jesus doesn't say that here. He doesn't say, love those who agree with you. He doesn't say, love those who agree with your statement of faith. He says, love one another. That means, regardless of where I am, as long as I see another believer, the Lord expects me to love that person. Why? Because we share the same spirit, we share the same faith, we share the same Lord, and one day we will share the same heaven. That's how we need to see one another as believers. Love one another. Now you tell me this. Would you say that you love other believers as Christ loves you? And let, let's limit it to the believers here at Southside. Would you say you love the believers here that you worship with as Christ loves you? This has nothing to do with showing love when someone is in need. You know, when I got married, I told myself that I am going to love my wife. And then I read books. How to love your, life, your wife. I read them and I was so prepared. I was like, she is going to be surprised. She has never been loved this way. I will love her so much that the day I will be gone, if I die, she will be singing my name. Like no one would be able to replace me. And then I got married. <laughs> and I realized I didn't learn anything from those books. And then God began to teach me. And that's when I realized that the kind of love that God wants us to have is not the kind of love that we can have or the kind of love that depends on our human strength and understanding. 
It's not. And I am continuing to learn that even today. There are some of you here that are so hard to love. (laughs) If it were not for the Lord. (laughs) This kind of love does not depend on our human strength. It really depends on the Lord. It's the kind of love that we cannot show, we cannot demonstrate unless we focus fully on the Lord. And the reason it's become a big, one of the biggest challenges in our lives as Christians is because we are not fully focusing on the Lord. We are focusing on other things. And we are failing to be the disciples that he has called us to be. Love one another. Can you imagine a church where people love one another? That's the church I want to be part of. That's the church I want to join. Where I walk in and I just know that I am loved. And that's what Jesus wants his disciples to do. I think so. We have to remind ourselves that we we share the same spirit. Doesn't matter where you are, whether you are a Baptist or a Congregational or or a Presbyterian, as long as you believe in Jesus, as long as you are saved, you are my brother and my sister and the Lord commands me to love you. And that's how we should see one another as Christians. I remember when we had the concert last year and uh, we were out there and then Mark Plus, you, some of you know Mark Plus. I saw a group of people coming and then Mark walked towards me and he introduced himself and as we began to talk, I could just feel the connection of the spirit. I had no doubt that this man is a believer. And we talked, then we walked together. He introduced me to the team that he had come with. And for a few minutes, it felt like we had known each other for a long time. Because we share the same father. We are in the same family. 
And I remember one of the people he introduced me to is Pauline. And Pauline, he, she held my hand and she said, are you the pastor of this church? And I was tempted to say no. Because <laughs> when someone asks you something like that, you just know there's something not good coming, right? <laughs> I wanted to say no, but I can help. But I had already introduced myself to Mark, so, and Mark was there, so I said yes. And she said, let me tell you something. And I just knew, yeah. <laughs> and she said, okay, we, 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 we have been here. Is, is, this, is the church hosting this concert? And I said, yeah. Okay, we, we came here. And there is no one from the church that has come to say hi to us or even to welcome us. And, and I told her, yeah, you are right. And I said, uh, Pauline, you are very right, but we are still growing. So that is one area in our lives as a church that we still need to grow. And she, she, you know, she was, she did it in a, in a good attitude. It was my first time to meet her. And then uh, the following Sunday, Pauline came to church and she has never stopped. <laughs> if you are a believer, you will connect with other believers. And you will want to connect with other believers. Because you know that you share the same spirit and because the Lord commands us to love one another. And I can tell you today that loving one another is one of the most difficult challenges that we face as Christians. That's why conflicts in churches, have split churches, have hurt people, and there are so many people that are still hurting because of what was said or done in the churches that they were attending. We have failed to love one another the way the Lord expects us to, and it should, there should be a change. And that change should begin with us. Just ask yourself, do I'm speaking to believers here. Do you love other believers as Christ has loved you? And if the answer is no, then that is an area of need that you need to focus on. So when Jesus says this, Peter asked him, in verse 36, Lord, where are you going? Where I go, where I'm going, in verse 33 he said, where I'm going, you cannot come. 
So Peter asked in verse 36, where are you going? And Jesus replies, he says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. You don't have what it takes to follow me now, Peter. See, Jesus understands Peter. He knows that Peter is this person who acts fast, then he thinks about it later. He speaks fast, and then he thinks about it. He's impulsive, but he loves the Lord. And the idea of Jesus dying is not one that he is willing to entertain. He is following the Lord based on his human strength. Based on his human wisdom. And Jesus is about to teach him a tough lesson. It's a lesson that each one of us need to learn. Regardless of how strong we feel we are, we cannot be what Christ wants us to be based on our strength. Because what we consider to be our strength is actually a weakness by God's standards. Have you had Christians who say, oh, I have a thick skin? That just means you are insensitive. I have a thick skin. That means you are insensitive to others. It's a self-centered approach, attitude. Oh, I don't care what people say. I have a thick skin. We cannot be what Christ wants us to be by our own strength. And we have to realize that. You may be a very strong person and feel like because I'm very strong, I'm going to be like Jesus. That's not what Jesus is looking for and it's not what he's talking about here. Look at Luke chapter 22. I'm going to finish there. I think my time is almost up. In verse 22, this is the part that John did not record, but it's, the conversation is happening at the same time, in the same place, in the same context. So it's not really a different context. It's the same. Luke 22, verse 31. Jesus called Simon. He says, Simon, Simon. Peter is calling Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And Peter responds and says, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Now go back to where we were in John. 
When Jesus has said, you, can, you will follow me later, Peter says in verse 37, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will, day, I will lay down my life for you. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now, when you are sifting wheat, you want to separate the wheat from the chaff. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about Satan sifting the disciples violently, shaking them out of shape, shaking them out of faith. He's talking about the trials that they are going to face. So, as he encourages them to love one another, he also wants them to know that they are going to be shaken. Satan is seeking to shake the disciples so that they can be unfaithful. And Jesus says to Simon, I have prayed for you that you may not fail. So Jesus looks at the disciples, he can see the challenges that they will face, and he prays for them in advance. That they may not fail. And he tells Peter, after you have returned, strengthen your brothers. This love is the kind of love that is focused on what Jesus is doing in our lives. It's not the kind of love that depends on our strength. It's the kind of love that depends on the life of Jesus Christ in each one of us. Peter's failure will not be final because Jesus has already intervened. So as you look at Peter and you know that he's going to deny the Lord, the Lord has already intervened. He has foreseen it and he has prayed for him and he knows that he will return. And that he, when he returns, he will strengthen his brothers. Because Peter is about to realize that he cannot follow Christ based on his own strength. He has tried so many times, he has failed, and he continues to try. Even the last minute when they come to arrest Jesus, Peter is the one who takes the sword and he swipes it. He actually wanted to cut off the head of one of the people, but he managed to cut the, the ear. And Jesus restored it. He wants to do things on his own strength. And we have those people among us too. We cannot do God's work on our own strength. We will never do God's work on our own strength. 
after betraying, after denying Jesus, Peter realizes this truth. He turns back, he confesses, and he becomes a different person this time. He relies fully on the Lord, and he becomes one of the most influential disciples in the New Testament. Let me tell you this. You will face challenges because the enemy will sift you like wheat. He will look for opportunities to sift you. When there's a conflict in your relationship, the enemy sees an opportunity. When you are grieving, the enemy sees an opportunity. When you are depressed, he sees an opportunity. When you are sick, he sees an opportunity. Because he's looking for opportunities to sift you. And his goal is to make you unstable. But when you fail, when you fall into a temptation, be encouraged because the Lord is praying for you. He says in Romans 8:34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. And there is just something so good, just knowing that you have people who are praying for you. When I was at the hospital with wisdom this week I got there at about 5 in the morning and took him to the theater was there with them as they prepared him and then they told me to go to the waiting room but when we had a meeting with the surgeon, one of the things that he said to me was, some children are not able to survive the pain of this kind of surgery. And that remained with me. It still is. And so as I left that room and went to a waiting room, sitting there alone, I could hear all these thoughts coming out. And there was a nurse who was updating me at every stage, sending me a text, we are doing this now, this is what is happening. You know, and every time I received a text, I'm like, okay, what is this? And then I received other texts from believers here who are telling me we are praying for you, uh, all this. And let me tell you, it was so encouraging to receive those messages, knowing that many of you were praying for us gave me a lot of peace, such that I found myself saying, what the Lord wants to happen 
will happen. And then, by around 345, 44, the surgeon came. I saw him walking, I'm seated, and I can see him walking towards me. And I'm looking at him, and for those of you who know me, you know I like reading people. So I'm trying to read him. And I can tell he's not smiling. And, and the enemy is bringing all these thoughts, and I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at his eyes. I'm, the reason he wasn't smiling is because he was wearing a mask. So, so I couldn't tell. But, but he came and he sat down. And he said, everything went as planned. Amen. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay. So, yeah, he, everything went well. He's, he's, he's good. I said, okay. Um, Go get, I told him, go get some rest. Go get some rest. You must be tired. And he said, oh, yeah, I need some rest. And so he left. And then, of course, I, I, wisdom was, was brought. I went and I was with him at the ICU. And it felt so peaceful just knowing that God's people were praying for us. But let me tell you this. That prayer, that prayer that you prayed, that give, gave me peace and that gives other believers peace when we pray for them, when they know that we are holding them up to the Lord, cannot be compared to the prayer that Jesus is praying for us. If the prayer of a brother and a sister in Christ can give us peace and encouragement, just imagine the prayer that Jesus is praying for you. Because when he's praying for you, he's not just praying anyhow. He knows where you are going. He knows what you are facing. He knows what you are thinking. He knows everything about you. So when he is bringing your prayers to the Father, it's a whole package. And nothing can be of encouragement to us than knowing that Christ is praying for us. What does this tell us? What does Peter's experience teach us? It teaches us that our needs, our weaknesses, Reveal that we need the Lord. Every weakness we have reveals our need for the Lord. If you are struggling to love one another, you need the Lord. That's an area that you need to submit to the Lord for you to be able to love the other believer. 
If you struggle to share your faith, that is a need. It's pointing you to the Lord. Every weakness in your life is there to help you see there is a need here for God to come in. There is a need here for you to call on the Lord. Never say, this is who I am. You may be who you are at that moment, but you are not who you are meant to be by the Lord. And therefore, every weakness that you see in your life, every Weakness reveals to you that you need the Lord. This is a lesson that Peter learns after he denies Jesus. He comes back, he confesses, he realizes. That for me to be this person that I wanted to be, that I thought I needed to be, I need the Lord. And you and I need the Lord. And if you are here and Jesus is not your Savior, the greatest weakness that we have today is sin that has separated us from the Lord. And Jesus died so that we can have our sins forgiven. And if you are here and Jesus is not yet your Savior, then the greatest need that you have is to repent. It is to turn to the Lord for forgiveness. And because our weakness reveals our need for God. As a believer, when you fall into sin, you will come back. You will not stay there. You will want to come back because true faith is proven by perseverance. You will fall, but you will stand up again because you know that falling reveals how weak you are. Falling reveals how much you need the Lord. And so if there's anyone here who is struggling with sin in his or her life, just realize that that sin is helping you see that you need the Lord. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your word and for your encouragement. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your people and the good plans that you have for us. I thank you, Lord, for using us to encourage one another. And I pray that you continue to manifest yourself in our lives in ways that can only glorify you. May you, Father, hear our prayers. And may you, Lord, make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.